0: Time and again, the world bears witness to truths seldom said. Lend an ear. We promise enlightened, informed conversation. My name is Robert, and this is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. very special guest, a woman of many talents, Ms. Nurit Jungend, who is a composer, a player, a musician, an artifacts collector, and now a documentarian of a marvelous film, call they played for their lives. Welcome to Seldom Said, Narit.
1: Thank you, Robert. Thanks for inviting me on the show.
0: It's my pleasure. Can we start with a little bit of personal background, who you are, where you've been, and what's brought you to this time
1: and place? Um, yeah, so I was born in Israel, uh, born and raised in Israel. Um, I studied abroad in Germany for one year, then I went back to Israel. And um, I arrived for um, for the doctorate program at Stanford for music composition. I graduated in 2004. And I uh, decided to stay in this area, started working at uh, continued studies at Stanford. And I love this area. So this is where um, we've decided to uh, raise um, our family.
0: One must ask, uh, what is your instigation for compositions, Nourit? It seems lyrical poetry.
1: Can you clarify? Most
0: certainly. There are those who simply watch a bird in flight and figure that it is a fugue that they're going to write down on paper and compose. What are your primary instigations for compositions?
1: Oh, um... Well, my main source um, of creativity is self-expression. I, music is a huge part of me, but I would say that I see music as a tool to express um, in a, an abstract language in music rather than uh, words to express um, my thoughts and my feelings and ideas. I normally have um, the inspiration or the urge to compose during difficult times, that's when I feel like I have something important to say and uh, something important that needs to come out. Um, So I'd say the first trigger and source is um, my inner experience uh, during uh, a certain time, certain event in my life. Um, I'm also a very visual person. And um, I like to make reference in my music to art, normally to painting um, or nature, um, usually not text. Um, and so I've often chosen certain works like um, The Kiss by Clint or um, the, the Fall, here um, in our area with the beautiful, uh, colorful leaves, or um, uh, one work I did was a self-portrait, that was my final um, dissertation at Stanford, was a self-portrait and it was a combination of a piano trio for cello, piano, clarinet, um, together with um, watercolor paintings that I worked on. And uh, my final thesis was about the conversation between music and art and how one um, influences the other and how one media borrows ideas from the other. And um, I'd say that um, my second passion um, after self-expression is to try to bring to life in music. the impressions of of an artwork or um, somehow um, bringing to realization um, the visuals.
0: There is a story told uh, historically, uh, perhaps apocryphal, but allegedly when Captain Cook first reached Australia, he met Aborigines, obviously for the initial time. They banged two stones together and the tribe danced. With the advent of different types of music in the present day, do you have a firm definition yourself as a composer for what is music and what is essentially noise?
1: <laughs> um, that's a very controversial question. Um, I, you know, we we all have our subjective and personal idea and feeling of what music is Um, and I don't feel like I'm I'm in a place to judge what what is and isn't music. Um, Often the um, kind of the the difference between noise and sound or music is a gray zone Um, and I think I'd also uh, rather not draw a line where one begins and one ends. Um, Sometimes these, um, I think, ideas kind of um, blur and um, mix with one another. So um, I I tried not to make a certain definition of what I find to be music or noise. I guess it also leaves some space for me to be surprised, maybe, um, or learn something new. Uh, something that I may have considered uh, noise or thought of it as noise and um, uh, learned otherwise. Um, I'd say, well... Yeah. I'd rather not get into the definition of noise because it's such a subjective thing and it means to different people different things.
0: Understood. You were kind enough to... uh allow me access to your film, which I have watched, and it's incredibly moving. The music presented in the characterizations in the film by the participants speak to the issue of life itself being the imperative and how music is a common language. Do you believe that music given something so atrocious as those individuals experienced and they played for their lives, can music be an artifact for forgiveness?
1: Um, Can you clarify what you mean by an artifact for forgiveness?
0: Certainly. Hearing and seeing what the individuals in the film experienced, one is virtually struck dumb I know that uh, I've watched a number of such films and I've spoken to a number of such survivors, and the only reaction one can logically find as a thinking, feeling human being is to listen. I'm wondering if the music itself can not only be a compassionate testament to who the people are, but can allow them and others to forgive what happened.
1: I'm not sure I understand the connection between music and forgiveness. Um, uh, but i I definitely can never put myself in a survivors shoes, um, fully understand the impact or what they went through. and I, I feel like I can certainly not speak for them as to um, forgiveness.
0: I would imagine to dash one uh, other example to perhaps clarify it further. There is the essential quote used by John Kennedy. He said, forgive your enemies, but remember their names. The people in your film are so incredibly joyous and embracing of life. I do not know whether they have or could forgive, but they certainly have used music to embrace life and to savor every moment of it.
1: Yeah, I think that... People, um, the survivors in the film, they, fo- they found um, um, a way, a means to um, whether they played music or sang or composed music, they found some way to um, demonstrate inner strength and possibly also express some spiritual resistance. But I think um, most importantly, to express hope and a strong will to live. I think that's kind of contrary to what happens when a person um, sinks into depression and um, gives up on life and on uh, food and um, on any act of creativity, even the smallest one. So I feel like these um, survivors used um, music, Um, because that was available to them. Uh, There were people who used um, poetry or um, drawing, painting um, for similar reasons, but um, the survivors in the film used music um, for these purposes and uh, on top of that to save their lives and the lives of um, their family members who were with them. Some of them, as as we know, were forced to play music in an orchestra and an ensemble. Um, And again, that wasn't necessarily voluntary, um, but it definitely helped. For instance, um, um, in the Women's Orchestra in Auschwitz, it definitely helped um, protect them and um, save their lives. I think people did what they could to survive. Um, I, what most impressed me and contradicted what I thought um, I would learn is the fact that um, even though the survivors in the film used music or experienced music or made mu- made use of music uh, in the ghettos or concentration camps, um, Their love of music and the practice of music is uh, not something that they later on um, resented um, or felt like they could never um, sing or play or write a single note just because it's what they did back there and the connotation that comes with that. Um, So I was really surprised when uh, I met with each survivor and asked them uh, how they feel about music today given how they used music back then. And I was really surprised to learn that they all pretty much said that um, music was the one thing that the Nazis couldn't take from them. They could take their clothing and food and hair, um, but they could not touch their inner soul. um, And they could not touch the music that they can hear in their minds or or play So um, I felt like that was that was really impressive and really surprising. And not only do they not resent music, they, they don't, as Anita, one of the survivors, in the film says that's the one thing they could not take from us. Um, and the music that they made back then has nothing to do with the music. Um, that they practice today, um, it doesn't mean the same thing. It doesn't bring them back to to um, to bad memories. Music to them remains sacred and beautiful and joyful.
0: Carl Sandburg allegedly said that everyone had a poem in them. Everyone had a book. Do you feel that everyone has a song?
1: I do. And everyone expresses it in different ways.
0: That's really interesting. As an educator, if you encounter a student who you feel doesn't have the necessary acumen to perform well, in what direction do you go to teach him both appreciation and the ability to present what he's performed?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that any person, all of us are born with uh, a certain level of potential. And I'm, I'm making reference now to music. Um, I think we're all born with some potential to develop this tiny or bigger muscle, wish I could call it that. Um, for some people, the potential is greater and the ability to develop that, that, um, that first seed is much greater. Um, and perhaps they're the ones that can make it um, uh, further to maybe also developing a career in music. Um, and some of us are born with less of a potential, um, but still one that I, I always feel and have found that I um, could um, develop and bring to um, a certain level of, uh, of of satisfaction I think. Um, for me uh, the most important thing when when I teach private um, students is that um, they enjoy music. Um, I, I think that if you come from a place where you love music uh, and you enjoy it then they it's something that they will keep at and um, continue. I uh, put less emphasis on practice, the number of hours they practice. Uh, I, myself, as a child um, playing the violin, I did not like to practice, and I basically practiced um, every week in my teacher's class, during class with my teacher. Um, obviously, I don't encourage that, and I don't share that part. Um, but to me, it's not really about the number of hours that they practice Um or whether they enter competition or um, anything like that. I, I, at least to me, what proved to, to drive me all the way to where I am today was this very strong feeling that this is who I am, this is what I want to do, um, this is what I can do. Um, and it doesn't reflect the amount of practice um, or ambition that I had um, to succeed growing up.
0: Do you feel then that if one were to listen to your compositions, the listener would eventually grow to some degree to know you?
1: Oh. Um. It's hard for me to put myself in a listener's position and think um, what would be my impression of that person the person whose um, music I've just heard I can tell you that in general um, my music can, is considered um, pretty I wouldn't say rough but um, harsh um, I remember attending a, a performance in Luxembourg and um contemporary music festival and I was there in the crowd um, I performed a, um, or the players performed a duet for piano and a violin and uh, at the end of the performance I, I went on stage and shook their hands and everything and at the end of the performance one of the um, one of the people in the audience came up to me and said you know I really expected you to be uh, a man Because your music is so manly and so aggressive and so upfront. Um, So it was interesting to hear, um, especially when people see me and they say, well, you look so small and delicate. Uh, It's hard to believe that those sounds are coming out of your mind and your body. Um, But again, my music expresses um, uh, my experience and growing up in Israel um, and uh, um, the day-to-day life there, the, the uh, reality in Israel um, contributed a lot to, um, to my expression. Um, and that's why often my music can um, combine moments of beauty uh, interrupted by um, uh, dramatic events uh, very surprising and dramatic events, which I think is how I could summarize maybe uh, growing up in Israel. Um, sudden uh, moments that completely churn your day upside down. So often my music is um, interrupted by sounds of, you know, of crushing sounds. Um, I don't, know how much people would actually figure out anything about me um, it is important for me to put my, my ideas and feelings and thoughts into music um, translate them into musical notes, communicate them to another player where they can pick it up anywhere in the world without even meeting me and just looking at the notes, all the detailed instructions uh, and bring it to life um, I do see my music, at least, as as kind of a puppet on strings, where it's there, it, it has a body and a soul, but it needs um, the player to pull the strings and bring it to life. Um, I try to communicate through my music notation as much as I can about um, what I would want the music to sound like and how and what I would want the player to bring out of the music. Um, There's always a certain level of, you know, difference. Um, It's obvious. It's every person will also, every player, some will be more loyal, authentic to um, to the composer, to the composition, some less, some will take more level of freedom. And of course they add their... Um, their own interpretation, and they bring something from themselves and their own self-expression. And for me, also, that's the beauty of of this type of art, um, to see what people make of my music. And sometimes it's completely different um, than what I've intended. Uh, The character can be different. The tempo, for instance, the pace can be much slower or much faster. Um, And these these little elements in music uh, make a difference in the overall expression. But I enjoy the different interpretations, even if they're not necessarily the ones that I hear in my head. And then there's the audience, there's the listener, the, you know, the receiver of this, this process, the third, I would say, um, part of this process of writing a composition. And they have their own, they bring their own self and experience and perspective and background um, and cultural and uh, context and they hear and um, they just understand the music differently. They have different interpretations of what they're hearing. Um, and what's beautiful about art in general, I think, is that it's it's kind of, especially with music, it's abstract, and anyone can take it anywhere and it can um, kind of provide people with different experiences and. Um, that's something that's, you know, that's a third party already in this process. And uh, it's hard to say what, what they would make of me, the composer.
0: When you educate and teach the art of composition, do you present it as, for instance, Hemingway might, uh, that in creating there has to be a beginning, a middle, and an end? Or do you... Enrich the student by simply saying, improvise, let it be, let it come. Let's see where it ends.
1: Um, improvisation is a really healthy and important part of composition. Um, it's one way of coming up with new ideas. Um, it's not my way. I, I was very, always as a child, um, very reserved Um, Very stiff, I would say, in my um, uh, expression. And um, even when I went to, even in high school, when I went to um, a music uh, department, uh, we, we did have improvisation classes. I never took part of it. I never reached the point where I was comfortable to just let go and let my unconsciousness come out through Music. I was too um, shy and maybe too afraid of what would come out. Uh, I was not able to set myself free and let go and just be flexible that way. Um, I do encourage my students and even my piano students. Um, I had one this just this week. He was, he's seven, and between our, the pieces we were working on, he started to just doodle on the piano and that's when I stopped and said let's hear more of that Um, and I recorded that on my phone and just him basically doodling and playing around. To me that's improvisation. It's um, it's him letting out ideas that he doesn't even stop to think about or plan. Um, It just comes out naturally and very intuitively and I think that's a great way and a great approach to compose and I know that many composers do enjoy this tool um, and this source and this way of bringing out ideas or coming up with new um, ideas for a new piece unfortunately it's not my way Um, mine could be maybe sitting on the piano but um, uh, normally not it's Uh, Usually when uh, I sit at a coffee shop or I walk around or I do some gardening um, or when I drive the car, Um, it's unexpected and it can just come uh, at different times, usually when I don't think about it too hard or um, too intentionally.
0: One is reminded of certain of the stories told about uh, explorers columbus standing on the beach and watching the gulls fly and asking his father father where do they go that was his epiphanal moment to point his ship to the horizon can you actually remember a point in your life Narit, that damascus moment that special time where you simply felt something and it changed you forever and a day
1: with regards to music
0: in regard to music, in regard to the focus for your life?
1: Um, since I remember myself, I wanted to to play music. So I wouldn't say that there was a point in my life where I suddenly realized it. It was like something I knew, um, just like I knew the sky was blue. Um, so I can't recall a certain moment like that. I, um, I struggle to start um, playing music because um, when I actually asked for it when I was five, my parents took my brother and I to a piano teacher um, to see if there's any potential, if we should start, if it's too soon. Um, and the teacher tested uh, my brother and, and me, and she said, you know... I think uh, your son can start um, playing the piano right away. I think your daughter should probably be doing something else in her life, Um, which was basically kind of a big hint that I shouldn't be doing music. So I went on to uh, gymnastics, and only when we moved to Boston for two years, um, when my dad went to study in Boston College, And I was in one of the public schools in Boston. We were handed out instruments, string instruments, and we could pick if we wanted to take one home. And when I saw that violin, I I just grabbed it and brought it home. Um, And in spite of what I was told, I decided that I would um, start playing the violin and that's how things, that was my first, I would say, interaction with music. But um, I always knew that that's what I want to do. I've had this story I had at, at age five repeated itself in high school and repeated itself with my violin uh, teacher and um, then going on to the university. Um, it's a story that for some reason repeated itself. Um, but I uh, I was able to overcome those rejections and prove myself otherwise and that I do belong in this world and I can't do that.
0: Do you feel that educators like yourself fall victim to labeling? I know that uh, the educational system, for instance, in my part of the country, in our part of the country, New York, there is the overuse of this term prodigy. There are obviously innate talents that students have but when you deal with a student, do you feel that term is overdone?
1: I do stay away from um, terms like that. I I don't necessarily understand what that means. Um, I don't think that's something that's... I don't feel like that label is, has any importance. I, I feel like you can succeed. Succeed. You can make it far... Um, with music, I've seen people with a lot of potential not make it for personal, emotional reasons, psychological reasons. I've seen people with much less potential and I would say, you know, a born talent that given their persistency and just their huge amount of investment and uh, in practice, were able to make it much more um, far in their career with music uh, and, and um I uh, just make a living also out of it. So I really uh, stay away from those terms also such as perfect pitch. Often people come and say, oh, I have perfect pitch. And um, I think people use it as, you know, this pride. I have something special. Uh, it is a unique um, skill. It's a born skill. Um, and some people can have perfect pitch and not necessarily talent for music. Um, And some people have great talent for music and they don't have perfect pitch. Perfect pitch is something that um, musicians with a lot of work can develop and also to certain extents. There are many levels of what we call perfect pitch. Um, It can be a plus. It can also be a minus. But there is this, I think, misunderstanding of perfect pitch is not something, uh, you know, it's not what I think most people think. I am a prodigy. I have perfect bits. So I, stay, I, stay, I like to stay away from uh, um, such labels.
0: Understood. Many English teachers will take the position that if you're going to write, you should write every day, four hours, write. Whether you feel compelled or impressed or inspired or not, write. When you compose... Do you set aside parts of the day, or do you simply the Bob Dylan story walk around with a pad on your person, and when the idea hits you, you put it down to paper?
1: yeah, so like i said i because the music usually comes um from from an experience or a feeling or a thought i I don't always know when to expect it. I don't always predict it uh, I can't force it um I can't sit down and say, oh, I'll, uh, I'll compose now for four hours and come up with uh, five measures. It just, for me, it doesn't work that way. Um, during my studies, when we practice writing in the style of Bach, writing in the style of WC, using uh, Schoenberg's 12-tone system, learning how to manipulate music with um, different uh, compositional um, uh, technical elements, those were more of an exercise approach, those were more mental, and that I could definitely um, decide to sit down and and do. Um, I've tried, when it came to my own music and my own self-expression, I have tried to force it, meaning to sit down and say, now I have to, to come up with an idea, um, but I've found that to be so much more frustrating because it Um, it, it wouldn't necessarily come that way. And I would just sit there and stare at the page. I'd rather, uh, usually when I'm ready to write a new piece, when I have the urge, I know that something's cooking and I know when that when it's ready, it's suddenly going to appear. Um, I could actively start feeling and thinking about it in abstract ways. Um, but it will slowly unfold in ways that I, in times that I don't expect, um, and with enough experience, until today, um, I've learned that that's the process, and it's it's kind of scary and can be frustrating because I feel like I don't have control. I can't I can't compose um, by order, um, and it's unpredictable, and it's it's not consistent, and it's unknown. But with the experience I have um, until today, I also know that it's there, um, and it will come out if I'm really looking for it, if I really have the urge. So I kind of need to be patient with uncertainty and let it come out.
0: Would you then, Narit, find it uh, discomfiting to contractualize a composition? The individuals in your film, uh, an opera is written, to simply sit and say, all right, I must have so many bars by next week. The show must go on. Do you avoid that?
1: Um, I don't think I've ever been in a position where I had a, well, I had deadlines, but where I had to write 10 or 20 bars. Um, When it comes to my my music, my free writing, um, with exercises, yes, of course, during my studies. Um, But with my own music,
0: um, no. Why do you feel music is, along with the other arts, one of the first traits or provisos in school budgets to be diminished or removed? I know that is the case here in the New York metropolitan area. Sports are there. Social sciences are there, the sciences themselves, physical sciences certainly. But music is always diminished and discussed last. How would you sell music to a school board that is counting their funding?
1: Yeah, I've thought of this. Um, it's, it's definitely um, a very challenging <laughs> aspect of the educational system. I know that I've enjoyed um, the fact that music was so important Um, back when I lived in Boston, when I was in second and third grade. um, The instruments that were given and handed out to students um, allowed me to pick up the violin for the first time in my life and make that connection with music. Um, I am glad to see uh my kids um in their school, my son is now in fifth grade, but third grade they were they all had to pick an instrument, and um one year it was cello, another year it was clarinet, but they all had to pick an instrument and either go to the string orchestra or the band um so at least uh with with my own kids, I have the experience where they it's 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 part of their curriculum and they need to play an instrument. Um, I do know and agree that um, arts and specifically the music um, are the first things to, um, to be removed when budget is, um, is cut down. Um, I think the reason is because from all the arts, it's, um, it's the only abstract one. You can't, you can't see it, uh, you can't smell it, you can't feel it with your hands. Um, it doesn't exist in, in um, existing time, but it doesn't, you can't touch it and you can't see it. In art, at least, if you go to a museum and you see a line, or you see a toilet, or you see a, a, a big circle, a black circle, then you, you might not understand what the artist wanted to say and what the piece is about. But you can say, I see a white canvas, I can see a circle, I can see a black circle. So you can define what you're seeing, you might not understand it. Um, same with dance, um, sculpture, um, poetry, plays, obviously you, you hear the words and you might not understand every single word. All of these arts are means that, uh, medias that you can uh, see. Or touch and assign to it some some description. Music um, is abstract and um, it's very difficult, um, I think, for people to understand. Um, it's one of the reasons why pop music needs to stay very, very simple and basic um, for people to connect with it. Um, and why classical music um, is losing um, more and more of its audience. It uh, requires, you know, careful listening and just, if not careful listening, then just repetitive listening um, to understand the language, to understand what's going on. Or even not, but just um, to stay with the music and with the process. Um, I'm not sure what I could say to schools um, obviously, music is one of the most important parts in my life i I'm, I can only advocate to its its um, uh, benefits i um, i would I would say that the film has proved the ultimate um, meaning of music or purpose of music that um, surprised me and I never thought of it that way. I always thought that music is you know, for pleasure or for personal expression or for protest or um, for different reasons that different composers decided or chose to make music, I never thought that music can actually save lives. That was a huge surprise for me. You know, it's the arts. Uh, most people, most of us listen to music or play music um, for pleasure. And most of us, Feel like that's the purpose of the arts and music, uh, to provide us pleasure. Um, But the idea that music can save a um, life—I don't know how to share that with a a board of directors and schools. But um, uh, I could possibly bring my film and, and talk about through the film, talk about the importance
0: of music. Speaking of your film, as you discuss the value of music, I'm reminded of the scene with Alice, 106 years old and playing piano. There are many who argue that students who are advocates of an art need to learn when they're young. Can you find that 90-year-old who wants to play cello and honestly feel that you could teach him or her the basics so that music will come out of that inanimate object
1: definitely obviously there's there is um uh a better uh window of opportunity to develop this part of the brain and that belongs more in childhood um but it's never too late to start, um, learning about music or, um, learning how to play an instrument or even compose. Um, of course the age and the background, um, you know, they, they are aspects that can, um, that do affect the process or, or the potential or how far one can get. Um, But teaching, for instance, courses at Stanford, I had a 92-year-old man that came to class and wanted to learn more about how to listen and enjoy classical music. I have people who uh, email me about piano lessons or composition, and they say, Well, you know, I'm 45. Is this too late? I'm 65. This week I have someone uh, that's 75. I really want to start playing the piano. Is it too late? And I say, of course not. Um, my, my, I guess my best example is my dad, who picked up the clarinet at age 70. And he's now 76. And he joined an ensemble and they tour in Europe um, in um, clarinet ensemble um, uh, festivals and he practices two hours a day and he's never, he never played an instrument or music in his life until the age of 70. So I, I think it's possible at any age, of course, there are some challenges that come with age and um, a person's background.
0: My father was a musician, but during the Depression he was forced to give up his music to find the job and support his family. I was once asked what he would like for his birthday. I was not sure. I investigated. He would have liked a violin. He had played violin. He had to sell it for a meal. I had not ever heard him play violin. It was 40 years since he picked it up. But he played Red Sails in the sunset, and I remember being stunned. I did not understand that. I'd never heard him play. Do you feel, then... In discussing our common parentage, your dad, there's something innate in the genes?
1: Um, With regards to what?
0: With regard to a person who can simply play. A child can play. A child can be told to go out into the yard and make it up. And he will. Do you believe that there is something that could be considered innate and natural in certain people that attunes them to be able to play?
1: Are you asking if it's hereditary?
0: or Indeed, yes. Although it should be the palliative for everyone, are there those who simply can? And as an educator, you would have difficulty incurring that teaching the technique yes but then there's something that one doesn't put their finger on
1: um yes yeah, so as I mentioned people come with different or are born with different potential and you could summarize it as talent maybe um I'd I like to call it more potential um and also people express themselves in different ways and for some it's um through sports, and for some it's with words, and for some it's engineering. Um, it's all ways to express, I think, um, who you are, what, you, what, um, what you're built is like. Um, I, I think that we can, any person who chooses and decides to get into music can, but it's not necessarily a natural um, pick for everyone. Uh, And it doesn't have to be. I'm not sure if I'm answering the question.
0: Indeed you are. A good question hopefully is a bit like a blanket. You can pull it up, pull it down, and it doesn't really cover everything. But it gets one thinking and starting. I appreciate that. Now it's time perhaps to talk in detail about the film because it is a marvelous piece. What was your first exposure to the Auschwitz Orchestra story?
1: Um Well, the film didn't actually start as a film um, it started as a series of lectures that I called musical um, um, what was it musical Diaries from the ghetto and um, basically, I had a few classes where I talked about the music that came out of the ghettos or people who played um, and I would talk about. Several survivors that I just, after doing a lot of research, I learned about. Um, I think, I don't remember through which of the survivor stories I learned about the women's orchestra in Auschwitz, but definitely when I started making the film um, and came in contact with Anita, who was um, the single cello, cello player in the women's orchestra. When she was fourteen, um, and her story was about how the orchestra saved her life. That's I think when I learned about the orchestra, I would say firsthand i um I did meet with uh, and I spoke to children of survivors who were no longer alive. One of them was a mandolin player, um, and I spoke with um, her children about her participation in in the women's orchestra. Um, And there was another person in Israel, survivor, that I briefly spoke to about this orchestra. So I kind of learned it through, I think, these survivors. Um, But mostly, I would say, from Anita, the cellist. How did you meet Frank? (laughs) Um, So Frank is actually uh, a distant, or I would say a relative um by um by marriage, so frank's son uh, was married to my husband's sister and when I did the series of lectures, I knew Frank was a survivor, and I also knew that he uh played the accordion just because um in some of the family events like um like thanksgiving when we would go um to uh, my husband's family's um, place, he would come and play the accordion. So I decided to meet up with him once, just one on one, and uh, hear his story and um, see what what um, what his thoughts were about music and what his experience was with music during um, during the Holocaust.
0: It is amazing in the film to notice how often, and I've encountered this myself with survivors, how often they laugh. They just embrace a moment. Your documentary ends with the two gentlemen who haven't seen each other for 66 years simply laughing over the song. Have you found that as amazing and as intriguing as I have?
1: Yes, absolutely. And um, mostly I hear from people when they leave the the uh, hall, or at the end of the film, um, the experiences that I've heard people share um, were, you know, inspiring, uplifting, um, very hopeful. Um, some even expressed joy, um, and it's kind of ironic to hear these me describe these feelings after watching um, a Holocaust documentary. I think one needs to see the film, and you have, which I'm glad you did, um, you really need to see it to understand how someone can come out of a film, a Holocaust-related film, feeling these feelings. Um, When, after I had um, all these interviews by eight survivors and over 120 hours of footage, um, I obviously looked for a director, someone that would help me actually make the film, because I didn't have any, I'm not an editor, I'm not, I don't have any background in documentary or film. I'm not from the industry, um, and I I found uh, an incredible artist and editor and my co-director and my co-producer, um, Aaron Butler, and he lives in L.A. Um, and when uh, the time came to to ask the question, how do we tell the story of music, and the power of music and survival? Um, and the impact that music had back then and now on these people, it was a big question. I, I knew I didn't want a sit down, interview type of documentary. I, I myself have very little um, attention span. Um, I knew it couldn't be a long movie, so we kept it at 50 minutes. I wanted it to be kind of concise and straight to the point and long enough to, to send our messages, but not not too long to kind of lose um, our viewers, and um, Aaron is the one who ultimately came with up with the idea of how to tell the story, but I told Aaron, you know, however we tell it, it has to be and this is where I took I borrowed this idea for music. It has to be kind of a rising spiral experience for the audience. It has to start at the bottom, build up. Um, and rise, and um, it has to end there on the top, where f- people are feeling inspired and um, hopeful, and something very pow- powerful and positive. And so I'm glad when people, um, <laughs> often people are very hesitant and a little scared um, to watch the m- movie, to watch um, you know, Holocaust-related um, film and it's absolutely understandable in my mind um, and it's nice to, to hear them come out of it and um, realize that um, mostly we were able to be effective with the experience that we wanted to give the viewer
0: I would hope that this next question is not intrusive if it is uh, simply uh, need not answer it I am reminded myself every survivor I've ever interviewed has often inferred or indeed outwardly asked do you understand Robert do you understand I'm not entirely sure if I do or ever will or if anyone can does the music help you understand
1: the survivors
0: the experience of the survivors, yes.
1: Um, no, not really, um, I would say, which probably sounds very strange. Um, because, like you, I feel like I, I can hear the stories, I can listen, but I can't fully understand what they went through, how they went through it, how they made it through uh, and rebuilt their lives and uh, found again meaning and joy. Um, at least the survivors in the film, and there are many more others like them. Um, I lost my thought. I was going somewhere with this.
0: Take your time.
1: Ah. Um, when I was as a composer, I was curious about the kind of music that um, arose in the ghettos that was composed and written songs that were written um, under these circumstances and these horrific situations, um, because as a composer, you know, I need my quiet. I need my inspiration. I need to be in a, in a, you know, in a very particular surrounding and space and time. These people didn't have that, and first of all, why did they have the need to write music or compose, Um, and how did they do that? How did they, you know, while they were fighting for their life and for food and staying healthy um, and with all the trauma around them, um, how were they able to write music? And um, after that, I, I really was curious as to what kind of music they wrote. And I was amazed to hear some of the music, which was just simply beautiful and expressed beauty. Um, it's very pleasant and beautiful to the ear. You can imagine Chopin writing something like that. And uh, that really struck me. How does something so beautiful come from such an ugly place? Um, which made me realize that I, I cannot understand fully. Um, I did understand that in these very beautiful pieces, people were expressing memories of the past and they were, in their minds, trying to escape reality um, and escape to a place and time where they were together with their family. Um, Happy times, beautiful times. It was um, a way to cope with the reality Um, Again, music is something that no one could touch. It's something they could internally fantasize and come up with. Um, I think they wanted to escape reality and reach out to the beauty that they still remember and hope um, one day to have again. Um, It's the only way I can uh, explain uh, some of the beautiful music that um, came out of these places.
0: In my opinion, your film needs to be seen. For anyone in the listening audience who would like to afford themselves the opportunity to rent it, show it, discuss it, what context can you share over the air?
1: Are you asking about how one could watch the film?
0: How might one show your film? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. As part of a for now, the film is available for public screenings um, or educational purposes for um, schools or museums or any type of forum or organization that wants to um, use the film as a tool to, um, to talk about the Holocaust or um, to facilitate the conversation on, on this very difficult topic. Um, and, and so on. So it's available in uh, these two ways. Um, I'm still going, um, I'm still in the rounds of film festivals and TV broadcast, um, which require premiere. And um, this is the reason why it's still, I'm still waiting um, to make it available for just personal um, uh, purchase uh, of the film um, the film festivals the, the, the large venues TV broadcast, are ways that I understand can bring in one screening, bring the film and share the film with the widest um, audience um, uh, possible um, and I hope that that's kind of a vehicle to put the film out there um, once I feel like I've exhausted these possibilities um, the film will also be available for personal purchase obviously it's, I opened it up for educational um, uh, purposes and as an educational tool because that's, that's my long term goal with the film the film is to be available um, most importantly to um, future generation and to educators who want you know to discuss, um, to to talk about history, or um, talk about the idea of accepting people, those that are different from us, to so talk about tolerance, um, talk about the importance of music, um, talk with groups about trauma, and um, and show show that there is there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel. So. Um, I want to be able to share the film and, um, help in any way I can different, um, different groups, depending on, on their interest. Um, and, and then of course to any person, any individual who has been or will be in a dark place and unfortunately life presents that those, um, times to all of us, I hope that the film can, um, can inspire um, people who are in a dark place, um, who have experienced um, uh, trauma, who are a survivor of one thing or another, um, just to show them that there can be hope and there can be, um, uh, you, you can, one can find um, meaning in, um, to life. I, this is one of the triggers for me making the film was a dark place. Um, the film was a way for me to, it was a kind of a self-therapy. And I would say that through the making of the film, um, it definitely helped me. Um, at difficult times, when I started it, and also later on when I had to face other events in my life, it, um, sh- looking at people who went through Hell and the most horrific thing I, I can imagine, um, and we're able to survive in body and, and in spirit, um, and rebuild a life. I, I couldn't come up with a, a more extreme example of how it is possible to, um, if you keep going and you keep looking for that light, and with the help of other people, you can come up on the other side. And, um, that's why I sought out, I think this extreme example of, of group of people. Um, and it gave me perspective also on my life and certain events that I had to deal with. It it gave me a certain perspective about what's important and what's really devastating or not as devastating. And I hope that, um, the film can, um, help other people too.
0: Unfortunately, uh, our time is up. I would love to uh, be able to share your voice with a listening audience on a future occasion. Uh, you do bring the light. I'm going to be signing off. Uh, I'd appreciate it, uh, Nurit, if you would not mind to stay online. After uh, I sign off, we would like to speak to you about the issue of the film. This has been Seldom Said. My name is Robert. you with us next time.